Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradzai, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Kelly Hawks. If you're not familiar with Kelly, she is a senior paralegal that we've worked with for a long time. She's taken care of a lot of investors that we work with. She represents landlords and knows the tenant board inside out. So on this podcast, we wanted to get an update from her on just what's happening with the tenant board, what's the latest on all sorts of processes, hearings, decisions, um, evictions, sheriffs. We get all that from her. She gives us also some updates on what the tenant board is planning to do as a method for operation going forward. So stay tuned for that. And if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the real estate market and you're looking for a place to start, you can check out our brand new website. That's right, brand new because we just redid it all at rockstarinnercircle.com. So it's the same URL, but it is a brand new website and get ready for it. It is mobile friendly. Yes, apparently in the year 2021, you should have a mobile friendly website. And we finally done that. So you can check out all the information that we have have to offer at rockstarinnercircle.com, including access to the introductory training class that we hold about once a month where Nick and I jump on a Zoom call. Zoom call? Is Zoom a call? A Zoom webinar? A Zoom online meeting? A Zoom, how about we say we jump on a Zoom and we go through a presentation of all the different real estate strategies that we're using at Rockstar with different investors right across the GTA and Golden Horseshoe. We cover all the bases. We stick around afterwards to answer questions. You can register for that at rockstarinnercircle.com. There is an introductory training class link right on that website. I don't even know where it is anymore with the update, but it's on there somewhere. You will find it. Or if you want to go directly to the registration page, you can go to CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. How's that? CanadianRealEstateTraining.com to sign up for the next introductory training class that Nick and I do. It's about a 90-minute class, and we stick around and answer all your questions. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so Nick and I are here with Kelly Hawks, who is a senior paralegal with over 10 years of experience doing this. Kelly, I'm saying over 10 years, because I think you told me 10 years, but in my mind, you have many, many more. I feel like you are the, I know I'm not supposed to say this, Kelly, but you're the expert of experts when it comes to this stuff. But I know I'm not supposed to say that. You are a senior paralegal. You're very good at this kind of stuff. Um, so we appreciate it. And you have 10 years of property managing, management experience. So you're very familiar with investors and landlords and tenants and the whole industry, which I think, I think is what gives you such great perspective. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, we'll just dive in. So I think we have a lot of investors, a lot of landlords, a lot of people just wondering, where are things at with the tenant board here in Ontario? Can you just give us, you know, maybe just the overall update before we get into where things are at with different hearing dates and evict the status of evictions yeah. and sheriffs? I think, I think, there, kind of I think it's without the, without the four letter word, I think it's what the heck is going on. Is, is probably the question that everyone's everyone's got got on top of mind. 
Yeah, for sure. So I know so many people have been experiencing like significant delays, which has caused a lot of uh, financial issues for them and just delays on on every level. Um, I do want to say that as much as it's taken a long time for the board to start moving forward, um, myself and colleagues in the field, we're all seeing a lot of hearing dates being scheduled. Um, as much as there are still some gaps in uh, their ability to provide what I would consider um, fair service, um, they are working on it. There's, um, you know, some significant improvements uh, with the process of the hearings, um, the, the, the scheduling of the hearings. It is somewhat inconsistent because some people who have filed matters back in September still don't have a hearing date, but some that were filed in December have had a hearing date. So they're addressing those gaps. Um, and I can say that it's not, uh, it, it's, it's improved since the last time we talked about this, which which was kind of in the, the heat of all the uh, delays at the beginning of COVID. So they have made some, some improvements that way. Which is good to hear because I think a lot of people think that businesses in Ontario and Canada may be getting some support. I think we can all argue whether it's right, enough, whatever. But I, I feel like a lot of smaller landlords feel like they maybe have been neglected in that they need to depend on the tenant board for some support when it comes to things like doing an eviction for all the right reasons. I, I don't mean yeah. to saying evicting people for the sake of evicting. I mean, yeah. you know, they have the right to evict someone because they haven't been able to get rent for, you know, X number of months. And they feel like without these dates, they haven't been getting any support. So to hear you say that some of these dates are starting to get booked is I, I think maybe a little bit at the, uh, of a light at the end of the tunnel for some landlords. Yeah, and I can honestly say, sorry, Nick, uh, to jump in there, but I can honestly say that in the past two months is when I've really seen a significant uh uh, push forward on scheduling dates. So I can just imagine what what they had to do at their end to get that push noticed by so many of us. Um, so so it, the positive is is coming and they're working through it. And, and what just so everyone's clear, the idea or the rules have been when there's when the lockdown is in place, uh, those multiple instances when that's in place, that's when evictions have stopped. But when the lockdown isn't in place, then evictions are proceeding. Is that correct? Um, to a certain degree, yes. So on the for the general matters uh, with respect to rent arrears and damages and things like that, um, when the uh, provincial government suspended the evictions, those cannot proceed. However, even during this suspension, if there are matters of special circumstance where it relates to illegal activity or um, more serious matters where there's injuries and things like that, um, orders can be requested to direct the sheriff to proceed with evictions, even though uh, the suspension is in place. Okay, I'm talking about, so I'm talking about normal ones, but but this isn't, this evictions have been proceeding. Like if some people are under the impression that evictions have not been proceeding since, you know, the first kind of COVID first hit last, at the end of last March, but they have, they, they come back on, but they do get, so like currently right now, Ontario's under this lockdown thing again, whatever that means. And this seems to mean something different each time, right? But yeah. under this current lockdown uh, word that I just even, don't even like you saying like it. Anymore. No, I think you like saying, because every time you say it, you're like lockdown, 
Walk this. So stupid. But anyways, <laughs> it's, so anyways, based it's not on this the emergency break, it's the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like how they come up with the different terms for everything. But anyways, <laughs> it, um, they uh, so so evictions were happening. So so for for example, in I don't know when this started, but beginning of March, when yep. the, we weren't under this the, the rules right now, evictions were happening, and then they stopped again when the, the new rules came in place. And in theory, if the lockdown ends when they say it's going to end, which is, I think, May 20th, people have told me, whatever it is, stop trying to follow that stuff, They then evictions would start again at that time. That's right. They would resume. So any that were scheduled during this time that we're locked down uh, until May 20th would be the first ones that would proceed. And then they would start um, scheduling the the ones that are filed after. Okay. Do you know what the backlog is with the sheriff right now? I guess it's different in different areas, but like, do you have any, have you heard any stories about people having to wait? Like how long people have to wait? What If they get the order, how long they have to wait for the sheriff to get there? Honestly, um, there's a specific requirement that they serve notice to the tenant. So um, that is, uh, I think it's only seven days. I've only experienced, um, I've never really experienced much of a delay once things begin to resume. Um, so I think like these sheriffs, they, they want to do their jobs. They're chomping at the bit to work too, because a lot of these are retired police officers and they only get paid per eviction. So they're, they're not working. Um, so no, I, I have to tell you that I've not experienced any delay. Once things resume, it's, it's normal. It's like a few weeks. Okay. All right. They're moving. Okay. Yeah. And then Kelly, I know you had some notes there that you wanted to cover off just a, di a few different items. So ha have at it. What did you want to share just so that everybody is aware of some of the things that you're seeing or dealing with? Can you share some of that stuff that just that we spoke about before we started recording here? Yeah, um, I wanted to just, you know, I see a lot when I'm in my hearings, I see a lot of landlords still representing themselves, and that's good. If they feel that they can do that, that's great, as long as they're, um, they've done everything that they need to, because it's very shocking when a landlord has been waiting a date for so long, and you're sitting there listening to their matter, and it's been dismissed because there's a technicality on a notice or something wasn't provided. That That's sad. Um, <clears throat> So I just want to make sure that everybody is aware that if they are going to be representing themselves, it's very important that they have done everything correctly because the hearing process itself can be quite challenging. Um, they've definitely um, made some improvements with their process. And what I'm seeing now is they're in the past, everyone would just show up and the adjudicator was there to run the whole thing. And there would be sometimes, you know, 30, 40 files on the docket for one adjudicator to try to take attendance, get everybody's uh, information, you know, all those types of things. It was creating a significant challenges for everybody. But what they're doing now, and this is a process that I, I hear they're going to be adopting going forward, is they have a moderator. Everybody signs in. Everybody is dealing with this moderator, and then the moderator is breaking them out into other rooms, either in front of the adjudicator or to the mediator or things like that. So the process is really moving along and has made some significant improvements. Um, it's just it's just really sad when you see a landlord there. And I've actually had some of them contact me because they saw me do my matters and theirs was dismissed. And then I get an email or a call saying, oh, my gosh, I saw you today. My matter was dismissed because of a technicality. I need your help. And um, 
it's especially in this day and age where all of this is happening and they've been waiting sometimes eight months for a hearing. It's really sad when it's dismissed. So even more now than ever, I think that they should be reaching out for um, legal assistance. They really should. Got it. Okay. Okay. So the importance of having your ducks in a row, or if you're not certain, getting some support from a professional like yourself. And I know I we just known you long enough, uh, long enough to to you're not saying that in a self serving way. You just want people no, to get what they need. No, there's thousands of us out there, and a lot of them are really good. Not just me. Um, so it doesn't have to be me. I'm just saying. Um, you know, as you guys know, I'm I'm a big advocate for landlords. Um, and exclusively, I usually only represent them. I have. Taken on a few tenants in my career, but um, it's it's really disheartening when you see someone who's waited so long and has suffered a loss of probably tens of thousands of dollars, and on a technicality, it's dismissed. So the money you're going to spend to pay some paralegal to help you that has experience will be well worth it. And it sounds like then from your description that almost the virtual version of the tenant board and the whole process is becoming like the real life version. Because if you've been there in real life, you'll see someone like yourself get up there, be all organized. I know when Nick and I used to go in person, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. I think we've explained to you in the past, we actually represented some investors that we used to work with, not even knowing that we weren't supposed to. Like we just went with the investor to the tenant board and we spoke on the investor's behalf at the tenant board, (laughs) arguing for different things. And I think years later, we were told you're not allowed to do that or you were allowed when we were doing it and then the rules changed or something. I don't know. But I used to watch people like yourself at the front going, wow, she's really organized. Like she really knows what she's doing. And you have a big book of all your things. So it sounds like now in the virtual world, it's all getting a bit more organized where there's a mediator, a moderator, and the adjudicator, and things are broken out into different rooms, just like it was in the physical, real-life version of that. So that's that's, that's right. good to hear. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the other thing that is a big challenge for people is um, with respect to evidence submissions and how they're 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 supposed to be sent to the board. Um, There's too many touch points. That is still something that they need to improve on because I see so many people, including myself, who has met the submission date requirements, has sent them in, um, and we arrive at the hearing and the adjudicator says, you know, uh, where's your evidence? Um, So then you obviously have to forward them the email that shows that you sent it to the board and it wasn't added to the file. So those things are still happening. so they, they do have some improvements to make there, but you just want to make sure that you're um, keeping documentation of, of submitting the evidence that's required so that, that your matter doesn't get adjourned or dismissed. That's, that's another challenge that, that I'm seeing that they, they should really address um, and they're trying to. But it's, okay, it's, a, it. it's a case by case. And, and when you say keeping documentation of edit, evidence being submitted, you just mean that you've sent the email or is there an online form? I don't think Nick and I have done this ourselves. So is there an online form where you submit evidence and you get a confirmation number or something? How does it, how does it work? Yeah, so right now they've adapted the ability for parties to submit their evidence by email to the board and to the other side. Um, If you don't have an email address for the other side, then you have to follow the regular process by serving them directly, either mailing it to them in advance of the hearing or um, like serving them personally with it. Um, So most people have an email address, so it's the easiest way to submit it, but you need to be um, keeping that email that shows that you did in fact 
comply with the uh, with the rules about submissions so that your evidence can be used. Okay. And is this process documented as part of the L1 submission or waiting to get your, when you get a hearing confirmation, do you get, do you get the instructions on how to submit the yes. evidence? Sorry for such basic questions. I just want no, to be clear. No, that's fine. Yes. They send a whole package. It has your hearing date, the uh, link info uh, for signing in, and it includes information about what you're required to do with respect to submitting evidence, the timelines um, and things like that. So yeah, the package is complete. Okay, so if someone is, I'm just going to use late rent as the most typical example. So someone pays sure. rent late, you submit an N4 form. After the N4 is submitted, if you don't get your rent, you can proceed to submit an L1 to get a hearing date. When you uh, get a response from the tenant board with that hearing date, you'll also get instructions on how to submit evidence. Am I summarizing right. that correctly? Okay. Yep. Yep, okay. that's correct. So, so that's the process. Okay. And yep. then um, what are you seeing right now in terms of, you know, what's going on out there? Because um, I think everybody's been cooped up at home and is, is this what's driving, you know, the, the demand for your services? What, 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 are, what are you seeing that's in you in the last year? <laughs> Yeah, what I'm seeing is a difference in the types of matters. Um, they've definitely escalated in nature um, uh, beyond just rent arrears. In fact, it's not unusual for one file to have multiple applications, the first one being rent arrears, um, and then additionally um, damages, claims, um, issues between tenants uh, in multi-unit uh, properties that are escalated. Some are just, you know, disturbing the reasonable enjoyment, noise, noise things, but they, they have escalated to the point of assault, illegal activities and things like that because people are forced to be at home um, and in close proximity with other people or on the flip side, people who would normally um, conduct their illegal business outside of the house are, are now doing it from their home. Uh, from their rental unit. So I'm seeing a lot of changes in the landscape with respect to the types of matters that are um, are being added on to maybe even a simple rent arrears application. That's just disheartening <laughs> to hear. That's just horrible to hear. Um, in know. most cases, um, they're, be, they're able, like those ones that are more serious, I've been fortunate enough to have expedited orders where they're dealt with um, quite quickly and I have to commend the board on doing that because there is a process that you can request shortened time for a hearing for those types of matters. Um, and they've been granting them and they have been holding the hearings, getting through them, not adjourning them or anything like that. And the orders have been coming quite quickly where the sheriffs can proceed um, even under the suspension to evict those tenants from the property. So landlords should feel um, that if they've utilized that process, then they are getting a, a good uh, and short delivery of justice, uh, even during the suspensions. See, the challenge with speaking with Kelly is that because of the line of work, you deal with all the bad things. So there's no... There's not much pause. It's like, hey, tell us the feel-good stories about yeah. how all these investment okay. properties yeah. went. Yeah. So. Okay, let me think of one. I got one. I've got you? one. Okay, yeah, what is sure. it? Um, so I won't say any names, but um, the uh, tenants um, decided to let the tenant, uh, sorry, the landlord decided to let the tenant try to pay them back and was, you know, listening to their excuses about rent arrears, and it was ongoing for a period of time. Um, 
so they they were delayed in serving the N4 notice, and it was looking like um, they were going to be at a significant loss by the time they got their hearing date. They came to me, we got a requested shortened time, and had the hearing date, but at that time the arrears owing was over $41,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So the good thing is, is that um, if the tenant didn't show up, then the board is only allowed to issue an order for thirty-five thousand or less. The if the landlords wanted to recover all forty-one thousand, they would have had to change their matter to proceed through superior court. But the tenant showed up, and we were able to make a payment plan for the whole forty-one thousand. And so far, so good. So the landlords, it looks like they're going to be able to recoup. Um, the money that they've lost because so far the tenant has adhered to the payment plan and it was aggressive. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's nice. good news you, stories. Yeah. yeah. Good. What are you, you talking know, about? Good news stories, Kelly here. That's crazy. Well, look, <laughs> look, look Tom, see, here's, here's a little bit of, of one that just happened to me a couple days ago with uh, that. And I just, it, it, it speaks to, cause it's something Kelly, you always have said, and we've always believed it's like, you got to work with tenants, right? You got to, you got to yeah. be human about this whole thing. So we had a student property. It was filled in uh, earlier this year for starting May 1st. Uh, the girls were taking, there was a, like an empty room. The girls took it upon themselves to, to fill one of the rooms. One girl definitely took the lead on it. By far, she took the lead. And then one of the other girls decided not to come back to school. So she filled that room as well. So she ended up filling two rooms. And then she ended up, she, her plans changed and she's not coming back to school. So she was looking to fill her room as well. Found multiple people interested. Um, it seemed like between her and the, the rest of the girls that were still there, who, who she had lived with this past year, I don't know, there must've been a falling out because these girls seem to be making it impossible for her to find a place. This is through the property manager, managers were telling me. They were asking them all sorts of weird questions. They were saying, oh, we like to party. Are you sure you want to be here? Which made me think like, holy crap, who'd we rent to? But it, Tom, I, oh no, I, this is a different property. So you don't have to know about this one. But so, so all this stuff was happening. And then finally, so this girl's been super responsive by email and stuff when I was dealing with her when, when, when they first moved in like a few months ago. And um, so anyways, she reaches out. Her dad actually reached out. She felt bad. She didn't want to. He's like, look, man, I, I don't want to get involved with where my, my, you know, with my kids. This is her responsibility. She's been dealing with this, but eventually you feel like you have to, because I just see how hard she's working at it. And, you know, what can we be, do about this lease? And I'm like, we would be able to fill it in some, for September, no problem. But now starting May 1st, it'd be hard for, for the summer. So we spoke back and forth about our differing of opinions. He was a very nice guy. He, he, he could have called and other parents would, you know, freak out, they're upset about stuff. And we had a really good conversation. I was like, you know what? I feel like because of how much effort this girl's put in, and she she really did. I'm like, you know what? What we'll do is we made a, a really fair arrangement. Um, there was a little bit of loss on her part, but 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 a fraction of what it would be over you know over those few months. So we're like, you know what? We'll we'll do this. I think it's fair. They were very grateful. She was very grateful in the end and very happy. And wouldn't you know it? The next day after we decided to um, to kind of be really kind of forgiving with that, the next day one of the the people that she had been dealing with ended up calling back, signing the lease for the twelve month, you know, taking her room for the full twelve months and stuff like that. So it ended up being no loss for anyone. And it just it was one of those situations that I'm just like, man, you know, sometimes you just there's these little moments where you're just like, yeah, that's a little bit of karma. Like we were we yeah. could have been the you know when you draw the line, you're like, no, this is your responsibilities according to the lease. Yeah. And tough crap, and and we're gonna come after you, and we're gonna make your life living hell. Give us our money, and and we didn't do that, and. Um, and yeah, it just all worked out. It worked out for everyone. And now we have a good relationship with her and just, you know, just works out. So it was just kind of, uh, it was, it was cool. So we didn't need yeah. your services for that one. 
That's okay. And you know what? I always encourage um, mediation. If, if there's a way to settle a matter, um, it's the best outcome for the client because A, they're not spending, you know, throwing a lot of money at legal fees. B, if they're able to get um, terms that they're okay with, why not do it that way? Um, there are times when you have to play hardball and you can't you know, um, it depends on the circumstance, but for the most part, if there's an opportunity to resolve it, um, I definitely promote that. And yeah. this can also happen at the hearing level. And I wish more landlords would understand that um, just because, you know, you had in your mind, they haven't paid you and you want an eviction order and you want a termination. That's not always how it's going to work out. However, the alternative is an order where they have to pay on certain dates, specific amounts. And if they don't, then you don't have to go back to a hearing. You still get your eviction, but you've already gotten some money back in your hand. And this is something that can be worked out. Also, the other thing is that if there's multiple applications and the tenant is willing to work with you at mediation with the mediator, all of those applications, even if they're not scheduled, uh, can be dealt with in one order. There's so many opportunities to try to resolve it instead of being just one way where, nope, this is what I want and this is what we should get. I think that it's very important for people to keep their minds open about the opportunity to um, maybe resolving it without, you know, without having to, to be, to play such hardball. Yeah. I just want to yeah, clear was, up a couple of points there. Sorry, Nick, do you have, I think you have to go, right? I, I will be taking out. I feel like Pokeroo from, 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 from <laughs> Poker Door, like taking up, but yeah. And, and to your point with this particular lady, uh, um, she was very responsible and she had put forth so much effort that I felt, you know, Tom, it goes back to what we talked about, like, you know, what's the right thing to do. And for some reason, like, I just felt that was the right thing to do. And it was detrimental to us. If, you know, by the letter of the law, it was detrimental to us, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. And, and this particular property, I've owned it for a long time and I, I had it with a friend. So I had to double check with him. And when we, when I spoke to him and then yeah, explained the situation, he agreed. I just felt good. I was like, you know, that's the right thing to do, which is funny because it's money out of our pocket, but because of how responsible she was and how kind of like, I just feel like she owned up to it. You know, she, she did, if, if she hadn't been communicating with us and it was like two days before the lease was to start and she's like, Oh, by the way, you know, it's tough. This is, this is going to be it. It's a different story. Right. So that's right. But, yeah. Uh, so agree. Kelly, just, so on, oh, there's a couple of points I just want to make sure everyone listening is pretty clear on. So one is mediation. Once you're with at the tenant board, like kind of with a hearing date. And the other is making some sort of compromise on collecting rent and the importance of it. So can you just talk to those two points? So before you get sure. to a hearing date, how important is it to have been, you know, in some sort of compromise, you know, trying to mediate late rent payments yourself? Yeah, it's very important. Right, so yeah, can you just talk us through like what's the adjudicator saying when you get to a hearing date if you have or if, if you have not yep. already done that? Yeah, for sure. We did talk about this before, but I always, um, I'm, a, you know, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows that because of COVID, they did amend the Residential Tenancies Act to include Section 83.6. This section says that the board has the discretionary power to deny eviction um, if the landlord hasn't made um, attempts to try to work out some kind of repayment payment schedule with the tenants. They are asking for this at the hearings. They want to know that. They're 
they're trying to work this out because these are unprecedented times. Um, and if the landlords um, cannot provide this proof that they've tried to reach out to the tenants, um, the outcome is not what they're what they're expecting. So, you know, it's 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 paramount for them to try to work it out with the tenant. Now, okay. there are many circumstances where tenants just don't respond. Um, they don't reply. And that's unfortunate because um, if there's a, a way to work it out, they might not get vacant possession of their unit by way of eviction, but they can get um, some of their losses recovered by an order that has a term that says if they default on these payments that are put in place, the landlord can still get their eviction. So it's a win-win, really. Okay. So if you do mediate some sort of compromise with a tenant to recoup late rent over time, and you do that before a hearing date, if you get to the hearing date and the tenant has not lived up to their end of the bargain on that, does that move you any further along or no? Yes, it does. Yes, it does, because it shows that the landlord in good faith was entering into a repayment plan and the tenant did not um, uphold their uh, their part. So um, that there's an argument to be made that they have done everything they can and the tenant was, uh, you know, did not in good faith comply um, with the terms. So that will likely get you a termination. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. And then if you have not done that and you end up at a hearing and you enter some sort of mediation just so everybody's aware because i know you've shared this point before but if you enter enter mediation and a mediator decides some payment plan that you both agree to if that payment plan is not adhered to then you don't need to get another hearing date for an eviction to take place correct i know you've talked about that i just want to make sure we're clear Yep. Um, there's two. So what'll happen is um, if the mediator assists the parties in coming to terms um, that they agree upon with respect to a payment plan, the mediator will then bring the parties before the adjudicator and say, these are the terms that they've worked out. This is an order on consent. That's what it's called because all parties consent to these terms. With that order, um, there's a term attached from uh, the Residential Tenancies Act, Section 78, that says that if the party, if the tenant defaults on any of these payments, a dollar short, a day late, um, the, the landlord can file. Um, it's a separate application. No hearing is required without notice to the tenant to, to obtain an order ending the tenancy. Okay. And then how long would that process usually take in today's world? Is in it still long? World. Yeah. And I know, or maybe give us the normal, you know, in a normal, you know, two, three years ago, how long did that take? Yeah. And then today, how long is that taking? So I would say in the past, prior to COVID, a pre-COVID, it would probably take um, a couple of weeks to get that sorted out. Um, now you could be looking at a month, a month and a half. Um, okay. Depending but it's, on the it's area. not nine months or something like that. Okay. No. Okay. No. And then that's enforceable by the sheriff. That's so, correct. Okay. And yep. then for, for anyone who is not familiar with that, just so we're clear, once you get that order, um, if you do not get vacant possession on the date that would be in that order, I don't know if I'm using the right language, so please correct me. You are. Me. You oh, are. Wow. I'm Am impressed. I? Okay. okay. If, if, the, if, the, if I'm not getting vacant possession um, on the date that's on the order, I can then go to the sheriff if needed? 
That's right. Um, so the process to go to the sheriff is that there's forms that have to be filled out um, and a copy of the order is provided to the sheriff. Fees have to be paid to the sheriff um, and then um, the sheriff will provide the landlord with a date that they're going to be attending the property and that's it. Okay. Okay. Wow. So it seems like it's so much is going on. So what about a situation that you described like noise? Now that we're seeing more of those, you're talking about more things like noise complaints. What are some things people should be aware of with that kind of stuff? Does that just fall under reasonable enjoyment of the property? So, in a, you know, if, if someone's playing loud music constantly, is that the kind of noise complaint that you're hearing? And then how do you, how do you work through that? I think you said the key word there for landlords to differentiate, uh, differentiate because loud is not standard daily noises. Um, so anything above normal um, activities during a day or evening, um, even if people are sick and tired of being in close proximity, those things aren't considered disturbing your reasonable enjoyment. It's where they become excessive, like cleaning at midnight or um, moving furniture or loud noises or domestic disturbances or, you know, um, those types of things are the ones where, um, you know, the that they have to take action on. Landlords should, even if they receive any complaints from their tenants, they have to be logging these and keeping track of them. And they also have to reach out to um, the party who is, in quotes, causing the um, <clears throat> causing the potential disturbance and say to them, look, I know we're all together in the, you know, you're all together, you're in close proximity, but I have received complaints that there's, a, you know, more than normal noise coming from your unit. Um, you, you have to be respectful of other people's enjoyment. Um, and then it, obviously if it continues and becomes excessive, then they have the right to serve the notice and try to somehow either put parameters in place or terminate the tenancy. Got it. Wow. Um, okay. I don't know why I'm saying, wow, like this stuff exists in any time. I just feel like now it's, it's, it, you know, there's more of them happening all in like a condensed period. So I feel like we're all kind of overwhelmed with it. What is the, yeah, I just wanted to say that, like, I know that like Nick said, I, um, there's a lot of negative stuff, but I think that <laughs> the key here is that, um, I know that a lot of people out there, landlords, they experience these issues and they don't know what to do about them. So the, the positive part is, is that there's a, there's a, there's an answer to all of it, um, you know, and it can be dealt with. So it's not like you're, you know, you just, you're just out there and you don't know what to do. There's people available to help. There's a process that, that can assist. And that's the positive part of it all because the problems are going to happen regardless. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we're very grateful that you're coming on the podcast and doing stuff like this, because when Nick and I were starting out with real estate, we felt a little bit um, at an information disadvantage and we would have some tenants call us with different concerns, or I'll just say some sort of threats on, on what they wanted. And we didn't know what was right or not right. You know, one of the story that, uh, story that always comes to mind for myself and, and Nick was we had one tenant who told us that the house that, that we were renting to them was um, covered with asbestos siding and then Environment Canada was going to was on it. He had called Environment Canada and they were going to come and like tent the whole house and the only and we were going to be like we would lose everything because we were going to have to like re-put siding all over this house. Wow. And the only way for us to get out of the situation would be to sell him this house 
at like this really good price, like really good for him. <laughs> and, I rem- <laughs> and I remember, and I remember hanging up. I'll never forget this because I was driving back from Yorkdale Mall in Toronto. I don't know why. I was on the highway. I took this phone call. I remember my wife with, was with me, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, I think we're gonna lose everything." And I remember calling Nick, going, "Nick, I think we're up. You know, we're up the creek on this one." There's apparently Environment Canada is coming to the house and it's going to tent the house. And as we talked it out, both of us came to realize like, wait a second, none of, none of this is making any sense. Like, I don't think no. Environment Canada, <laughs> Environment Canada, con. yeah, it's I don't think con. Environment Canada is coming to the house. So, so over the next couple of days, we just went into information gathering mode where we were like Googling up and, you know, everything we know, knew about asbestos siding. We actually called some contractors. We found a company that specialized in removing this stuff. And we contacted them and we came to, they were so helpful over the phone. They told us, no, like the siding that you have is just totally fine. It's like, if you remove it, you have to hire the right professionals to make sure it's removed properly. And any yeah. particles from it, like don't get dispersed in the air. But as it is on the on a, a older house, it's totally fine just to kind of yeah. leave it there. And they're like, they told us, you have our guarantee that Environment Canada is not like two days away from like tenting your house. We've never <laughs> seen that. And so then we're like, oh, so, you know, we are, yeah, we're being fed a yeah. story here. And yeah. I mean, we were in our 20s. We didn't really know what was going on, but it gave us all the confidence in the world to have an information advantage. And I think that's what you're sharing is that it's important for landlords out there to know that if you're feeling stressed, or you're feeling, you know, overwhelmed with what might be happening to you, there are resources. There are people That's like right. you, Kelly Hawks. I know there's, there are, I think, I think there's like a landlord self-help center that used to be in Toronto that was staffed with people like yourself, I think just on volunteer basis that would answer questions. I used to always get to it by just Googling up landlord self-help and you could ask them questions over email and they'd get back to you. I think there's resources still like that out there. Um, so there's things available to you. If yep. you're out there, don't feel like you're alone if you're listening to this. Yeah, well, it's a big thing for people when, you know, they they are in a, a position where they might be facing legal action and they've never been in that circumstance before, especially if they don't have, um, you know, an understanding of what their rights are or even what the process is. Because on the flip side, even tenants, when they're served with notices, they, they lose it. A lot of them lose it and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to leave and, you know, I can't move. I have kids. I have this. I have well, that. to be there's fair, yeah, that's, a, that's their home. Like you can see both sides of it, of course. Yeah. Right? yeah. There's a process for both. Both sides and each side has an opportunity to present their 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 position, um, and only then will a determination be made as to which one is liable. So, yes, problems seem big when you first get them, and you know, texting at two in the morning <laughs> to get an answer that on a Sunday, you know, it's like it's okay if it waits till a little bit. There's there's some time here unless your hearing is first thing on Monday morning. It's okay. We can talk about it. And um, a plan can be put in place, strategies can be put in place, and an opportunity to even reach out to the other party to see if it can be resolved. All this can happen. So you're not you're not advocating for uh, res- uh, getting text messages at two in the morning about about something. That's a little bit. That's that's a little bit much. So uh, yeah. uh, okay. So on on all of this, where how does the tenant board get out of this backlog? Or are you gonna are we going back ever to in person, or do you think there's a new streamlined process that comes out of this? now that everybody's starting to adapt to this online world is there some benefit from all of this that we're going to get because i think for years you and i have chatted nick has chatted about like the backlog that there's always a bit of a backlog from this is there some good 
Do we understand how um, this is gonna, the virtual world maybe helps us? Yeah, I think there is, uh, because um, prior to COVID, there was a shortage of adjudicators. Um, this, these circumstances have forced them to, um, you know, they had put a, a pause on hiring and that changed. So now they are bringing, um, you know, more adjudicators to be able to cover um, the backlog. They've hired additional internal staff, administrative people and things like that. So there's a lot of money being focused on uh, being able to provide uh, justice to everybody and to address the backlog. The other thing is, is that um, with the addition of uh, the adjudicators that they've hired um, to have an online platform, it actually allows adjudicators to cover areas in, <clears throat> you know, more areas all at once where some of them would be, you know, you would only see this adjudicator in Toronto or you would only see this one in, in Mississauga. I'm seeing them all over, even for my, you know, upper north uh, clients' um, properties. Um, so they're able to cover more areas, which shares their experience um, in the different locales as well. So there is some good coming from this. Okay. And do we lose anything? Is there any nuance to, you know, understanding a local area by an adjudicator that we're losing in that kind of situation? Or is the gain just outweigh any negative there that, that there's, you know, we can get some of these files processed. So if somebody's not intimately familiar with an area of Ontario, it doesn't really matter. I think that would only apply if there were specific bylaws that were being called into question and then it would be the onus on the adjudicator um, to have researched that ahead of time. Uh, so I, I, I don't think there's a, a loss there. I think that um, for me and for my colleagues and for what we've seen even with, you know, unrepresented landlords, um, they're you know, they're able to get the experience across the board from all or any adjudicator that's available. Now, certainly there's some that are, um, you know, carrying heavier dockets in a, in a day, and that's because they have the experience the, um, to, to work through them. It also greatly depends on, on the mediator availability because if parties can resolve, then all matters don't have to go before the adjudicator. Um, so there's a lot of good things there. Um, that that I think are beneficial um, because of, of what we've been forced to do. Okay, so you've, you've given us a lot of uh, great insight, especially around just the speed at which things are starting to move because we have several investors we know of who filed different things past, last fall and had not heard about any dates or any follow-up. And we're starting to hear that they're getting commitments on dates where they're getting their hearing and they're starting to see things progress. And you seem to re be reiterating the same thing. I want to add Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is that when they're getting a hearing date, like a lot of the hearing dates that I'm receiving receiving this this week are for uh the beginning of june so that's not like that far to wait from the time that you're receiving the notice of hearing you know what i mean um so yes there have been delays if some of them and this is human error some of them have gotten lost so it helps to also give them a little nudge like hey landlord tenant board i filed this in september um, and i still don't have a date can you tell me what the status is um even though you might just get their standard response that we're working towards you know the volume trying to work through the volume it still gives them a little nudge to look into it and say oh shoot this one should be scheduled and most times you end up seeing a hearing date within like a week or so from from your inquiry. 
Okay. So thanks for answering that. I was just about to ask that because we have had some investors wait on some decisions where an adjudicator takes a matter away and needs to rule on it. And then all of a sudden months have gone by and they have been hesitant to follow up because you don't want to piss off an adjudicator by following up saying, hey, where's your ruling? Especially when you're hoping the ruling falls in your favor. So they've been hesitant, but a couple investors have followed up and almost magically, they've gotten a response, just as you said, that they followed up and it was like, all of a sudden it seemed like it nudged somebody somewhere and they kind of got a response. Yeah, um, yeah, and really you can't, like, I mean, I know that you said you don't want to tick them off. Um, I don't think tick was the word you used, but I'll use tick them off. <laughs> well, I think it's just natural. See, you're used to dealing with this all day long. If you're not, you you don't know the protocol. You don't yeah. know how often someone's getting bothered. You, you, know, you don't deal with this. So it's very stressful. So you don't want to yeah. do something that's maybe going to make things fall out of favor. Yeah. I know, but if you think about it, um, and I know everybody's matter is, you know, top of mind and most important to them. When they do uh, run through a hearing day where there's maybe 30 applications, so they have to hear from 60 parties in a day because usually there's two um, or more um, showing up for this hearing. Um, sometimes they do need a little nudge that, hey, this hearing was in December and it's now, you know, March. I need this order. And it's just it's just sheer volume. Um, certainly in the past, they have the ability to um, issue an order within a 30-day period. Obviously, that's changed. Um, but I have to say, for the most part, with the exception of maybe a handful of files, I've been receiving the orders in good time. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Kelly, what else have we um, should we be covering here? Did we cover everything that we wanted to as, as far as an, an update from you? I think we're covering most things. Something that comes to mind for me is someone who's never hired someone like yourself. Is it just standard questions? How much experience do they have? You know, um, from your experience, what could somebody ask to make sure they're getting someone to represent them as best possible? Um, could you could you just share some thoughts around that? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a little bit challenging because some people are really good at knowing the information, but applying it might be um, a little challenging. Um, so there's, you know, you want to be making sure that someone is um, regularly practicing in this field, um, and um, you know, you can ask questions about different types of matters they've had. Um, you know. Um, their process, what their timelines look like. I mean, obviously everything is is delayed um, right now and some of it is outside the control of uh, the actual individual um, paralegal or lawyer. But I mean, it's a kind of a gut feeling. It's the same as when you're um, interviewing someone for a job or even reviewing uh, an application for a tenant. You kind of have to ask the relevant questions, like how long have you been doing this? How long have you been specifically okay. dealing with landlord-tenant matters? Um, you know? Okay. And then how about things like that, that seem to be coming up more and more with everybody staying at home as much as they are um, that they haven't had to deal with before? So for example, um, you know, odors that they're, that they're smelling that they never smelled before in a house <laughs> or, you know, just some maintenance requests that you know you would just never get um, except if everybody's home for so long and they're noticing like, oh, all these little things that should be improved uh, uh, around the house. 
Yeah. What is the best way to go about handling that kind of stuff? Because to me, it's often like this weird gray area. It's like, well, what odor are you talking about? Like, can you document the odor? To me, I go back to my uh, tech support days when I used to handle support tickets and it would have to be like a repeatable error. Can you repeat the problem that you're trying to describe to me here? So yeah. like, like, does the odor come up at a certain time of day every day? <laughs> like, so like, what is the best way to handle those vague things? Um, you know yeah, what I'm talking, do, do you know the kind of situations I'm talking about? Well, Just like I'm it, not sure what specific odors you're referring to, but <laughs> I'm going to assume like a smell of gas or paint or uh, garbage or things like that, right? Sure. That use your you imagination. All the other ones that you're not saying that you want to use your imagination <laughs> for those two, but yeah, any, any, uh, any odors for whatever reason, that one has come up a lot over the last little while. I don't know. Are you not hearing that one? I hear that one from well, investors a lot. We, Nick and I haven't heard it in our properties, no. but I have heard specifically that no. Yeah. Okay. The smell of odors is really hard to capture in evidence. So you would definitely, <laughs> if it's related to an odor, you would definitely have to go on site or have someone go okay. on site so that you they have to can smell the it. odor yourself. Like yeah. literally, because how would you ever, like, it depends if it's garbage, you want to look around to see what's happening. Is there garbage bags being stored somewhere they shouldn't be is, you know, I don't know, are, are other units not putting their garbage out? Like we've had that where people are inside and they're not taking their pets out. So like an upper unit can smell um, like dog smell yeah. or cat smell through yeah. the bed. That's one we're hearing about, actually. That is one that we are hearing about, yes. Yeah, so that one is, um, yeah, that's that's a common one. Actually, that's probably the most common one. The other one might be uh, garbage. So people are keeping like garbage on their balconies or uh, in their units and not taking them out on garbage day. So let's deal with those two smells. Um, obviously, you would have to go to the unit to um, obtain confirmed information and try to figure out what the source is. Um, so one in particular that I'm dealing with, literally they have like dog pee pads down on the floor and they're not taking their dogs out. Oh, and you can, you can smell it. Like it's, it's strong. And all these other people are suffering because of it and they're all under lockdown. So they have to stay home. So in those circumstances, if the tenant doesn't rectify the behavior, you definitely want to be moving on an application to the board. You can also look at calling public health, although they've scaled back their visits to properties too because of COVID, but you can certainly reach out to the rental housing enforcement unit um, or public health, and then making sure that you're serving the appropriate notices if the tenant hasn't rectified the behavior. How do you reach out to public that? health? Is that Ontario public health? I've never done No, that. it's regional. It's regional. a regional. Yeah. Regional public health. No, so, it's regional to each region. Like they have so their own. Like be Peel, York, Halton. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. And again, like they are scaling back their um, availability for those types because their focus has to be on what's happening with COVID, but um, they still might be able to assist you. In this okay. case, yeah, yep. in this case, the tenants, we're waiting for a hearing date and the tenants have not complied and it's bad. Like it's, it's really bad. Okay. They so just, just on the older one, I know this one seems funny to me that that's the kid in me, I guess, Kelly, the older <laughs> one, but how do you prove the odor? Do you have to get a third party to come with you to the unit? Because isn't it just then a he said, she said kind of situation? Yeah. So what you have is the tenant 
uh, who's or the person who's complaining. Um, you have the landlord who's gone to the property or had an inspection done. And um, in in my case, I have um, inspection done inspections done and reports done by a third party with photographs. So, um, and then they can also. Um, provide their uh, um, information about what they've they've um, discovered or witnessed when they were at the property. Okay, so it could um, be like a property manager who goes into yep. the unit, takes some pictures of the pee pads sitting all over the floor. Got it. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So so then so then it's it's three people, three different sources that are confirming that this is what's happening there. Because you can't really capture it in a jar. No, no. Yeah, jars. For some reason, I was thinking Ziploc, Ziploc bags. Like you go around and you go yeah. and you seal the Ziploc. Thing. Anyway, no. okay. Yeah. Um, and you, you actually asked me a really um, a good question inside that question at the beginning because you said with people being home more often and they want all these things done to the property. I'm seeing that come up a lot and a lot of them are aesthetic things like, um, you know, the fence is the paints chipping on the fence, that type of stuff or, or, you know, things yeah, like, like that. these bush, like, these bushes are growing through the fence a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, and it's are, like, yeah, they are hypersensitive to those types of things. I am seeing a lot of that, but what the landlord has to do is obviously it's their choice, whether or not they want to go ahead and, and, um, uh, do those types of um, improvements. However, at the bottom line, they have to make sure that they're complying with their maintenance obligations. So if things are broken um, in a state of disrepair um, or the tenant is going without something that they were originally provided with, that's when they have to jump in and make sure that they're um, fulfilling their maintenance obligations. All the other stuff is aesthetics and okay. it's improvement on your own property. So it also depends on a, how much money you have to put towards those types of improvements. B, if that was in your plan, C, your maintenance and care of your own property. Um, but yeah, at the very least, the landlords have to make sure that they're fulfilling their maintenance obligations. Okay. And, and sometimes the, the, the way I share with some newer landlords to think about that kind of request is to just use the frame of reference of is it functional and is it safe? So yes. if whatever's happening is, the, you know, is the door functional? Is the garage door, is the shit, whatever is the fence, is it, is it functional yep. and is it safe? And yeah. if you can meet both those criteria, then usually then you're in good shape. And then it becomes at your discretion, whether you want to do something about whatever the complaint is or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kelly, thank you for doing this. Anything else we wanted to touch on before we wrap here? I think that's most of the stuff that I had for you on this kind of update that we wanted to get from you. I'm just kind of looking over my own notes that I scribbled down before we, um, we, we chatted here. Anything else on your mind? Um, I don't know if I can't remember if we just mentioned that um, it looks like the online uh, platform or by telephone is the process by which the board might continue to do hearings uh, even post COVID. Um, so I'm not sure yet how they're going to intend to address uh, accessibility for people who don't have video or phone. Um, but that's more information to come in the future. But it looks like this is going to be their process going forward. So it 
people can also observe if they want. Um, you know, if they know somebody who has a hearing and they want to attend to see how it works, uh, they can. They just have to identify themselves why they're there, and they'll be um, they'll be um, described as an observer. Obviously, they can't interject, but it's kind of interesting to know what's going on, especially if you're uh, have a lot of properties and and you want to see what the process is like, right? I think Nick and I were shocked when we we would sit at the back waiting for our you know name to be called at the tenant board, and you just learn so much when you're sitting at the tenant board, seeing all those yeah. different things go in front of you. I didn't realize that that you can go in it as a observer even now. So you would just what get the link from somebody else and then click the link for one of the scheduled dates. Yeah. And and but these aren't advertised anywhere. You actually would no. have to get that sent to you from somebody else who has a hearing on that date. Yeah, and then the the person, the moderator or the adjudicator can they have discretionary power as to whether or not they're going to allow you there. But um, in most cases, I've seen they've allowed observers. Okay, and yeah. is, is it really just like the in person method where it's like you know thirty forty people in the room at the same time? So is it like thirty forty people on the same? Is it what's the platform? Sometimes are they using are. Zoom? Some, is it Zoom? They are now using Zoom. They were using Teams, but they've transitioned over to Zoom. So everything Zoom, and sometimes there's more than thirty people. It depends on on what's on the docket. Um, it's a bit crazy when you first log in and there's all these faces. Yeah. Uh, most adjudicators don't want people to use their video. Uh, a function unless it's their matter being called or unless she's he, he or she is addressing them directly because it gets very distracting like one hearing um i was doing and it was unreal because there was this lady in the background not part of our application she was waiting for her matter but her cat kept jumping up on the table with its tail up and uh, she was feeding it treats and it was so distracting that the adjudicator actually had to stop our hearing and say to the lady listen that is so distracting. This is a courtroom. Like as much as you're in your own home with your cat walking across the screen, we are trying to conduct like a legal hearing here. So she said to her, if you turn your video on again, I'm removing you from the room. Like it was unreal. It was like literally this cat going across in front being fed treats. And the lady had no concept of where, like, how disruptive she was being like it was ridiculous where are how is it 2021 i mean how are we uh yeah i don't even know what to expect in our futures i can't no, even i can't predict it anymore no, but, literally uh, one guy was laying on his couch with his phone you know just laying back on his couch i think he just woke up because he wasn't dressed um, you know, like that kind of stuff. I could have, I guess the upside for the that. upside to this is that I guess a tenant can show the adjudicator in real time about any maintenance requests. Cause they could take the video. <laughs> no, you could actually go and see something here. I'll take you into the backyard and show you the door myself here. Here it is. So I guess there's like some positive to this, but, uh, anyway, it moves things along faster. Maybe I don't know, but so you, so really you don't think we're going back to in-person meetings. That's it. You think we're, uh, that's we're, what we're hearing that they may be, and it sounds like they probably will be um, adopting this process going forward. I don't know how long. I, I I don't know. We're waiting for more information about that because there are still some gaps. Like I said, there's people who don't have cell phones. There's people who don't yeah. have have laptops. Uh, whether legal clinics are going to be a part of that to help them, you know, provide access to that because some tenants already do do that um, using their phones at their community legal clinic or something like that. Um, but not everybody has a cell phone and not everybody has a laptop. So, or internet, they might have a laptop, but no internet. So, I mean, 
we'll see more information to come about those. I'll keep you guys posted on whatever I hear uh, with respect to that. Okay. And how are you feeling about going online? Is this good for you or? Um, I like it. There's, there's pros and cons. I mean, I miss the camaraderie with my colleagues when you go to a hearing. Um, also, like, there's something to be said about showing up in your suit and walking in there and, you know, owning the place because you're there to, you know, do what you do. That part is missing. Um, but at the same time, it has given me the ability to, um, you know, let's say I, in a day, I would have a hearing that was for a Brampton matter or a Brantford matter or a, a Guelph matter all of those can be done at, on the same day without me having to travel anywhere so th that's a pro um, but cons is really more I think of the social aspect of what my job entailed was before you know bumping into other paralegals that you've known um, you know even sometimes if someone's calling in by telephone um, if you don't you're not able to see their face uh, they you know, you could come across differently. Um, so you definitely have to adjust the way you present yourself um, by video yeah, rather than it. in person. Yeah. Got it. Kelly, thank you so much for doing this. How would uh, someone get a hold of you? Is it your website? Um, is that the best way to go on the website, I guess, to, to reach you? Yeah, on my website um, is great. There's also the ability to schedule a consultation um, on my website if you're new um, to my firm uh, or if I've never met you before or email. Um, that's also available on my website and my telephone number is there too. Okay, so the URL for that is khparalegal.com. So KH, which stands for Kelly Hawks paralegal.com. And we'll put um, a link to your website in the show notes for this particular episode. And Kelly, you have been so amazing to rockstar investors who've used you over the years. I think the information advantage that you give people is just a peace of mind that you're offering. Because I just know for, for myself and Nick over the years, and we did not know what we were doing. And I'm not saying we know what we're doing now, but before <laughs> we knew even less. And when we had no one to turn to, like we didn't know anyone like yourself and you're just left in the dark and you think you're doing everything wrong and you're hoping you're not screwing up. It is very stressful. So when you bring um, information to people, even if it's what they don't want to hear, it at least gives them a certain certainty. And you know that you can almost take comfort from that even, right? Yeah. So, so thank you for everything you do representing landlords uh -huh. and helping everyone out. You always do it with such a fair hand. Um, we just feel very grateful to have crossed paths and uh -huh. to see thank you, you do your much. thing. No, no problem. To see you do your thing the way you do it with such positivity and all this, the crap that you deal with, to have such a positive <laughs> attitude all the time is amazing. So we cannot <laughs> recommend you highly enough. So oh, if you thank need, you very much. Yeah, if you need Kelly's services, you can get, reach out to Kelly at khparalegal.com. And uh, I think that's it, Kelly. Thank you so much for this. Really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Kelly Hawks. Her URL again is khparalegal.com. That's khparalegal.com. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well. And if you're listening to this and you want to jump on the next time, we are doing a Zoom introductory real estate training class. You can do that by visiting the new and updated rockstarinnercircle.com. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.